0: All right. Good day today. Maybe <laughs> yeah, did praise the Lord. There's a few of you awake. Any anyway, rate, take your Bible if you would to the Book of Ephesians, chapter five. Ephesians, chapter five. It's certainly good to be here and to see you. I'm going to preach on a subject um, that I hope will be a blessing and a help to your life. You know, I love practicality. I like to see truths from the Scripture that you can apply to your life. And it has a life-impacting, life-changing message. And I trust that will be the case tonight. Enjoyed that song tonight. I never have heard that. I think I've been in every Baptist church in the world, but I never have heard that one. So I appreciate that. It was a blessing to my heart. Thank you for that. We've had some great music for sure uh, this week. I wonder how many were here when when we had the building dedication for this building. Anybody here? You too? Anybody else? All right, that's interesting. Um, we, when the dedication, you'll remember, it was a Sunday through Wednesday event like this. And the founding pastor's father came and preached on Sunday. And I came in and preached Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. And we had a great time, it was wonderful. And all of that to say this, I'm gonna preach um, a message tonight that I actually preached in that conference back in 19, in fact it was, a, it was Tuesday, May 3rd, 1983. So um, I preached at a time or two since then, but um, I, I think about that meeting in particular. About how God used that and those early meetings in this church to stir hearts and to really uh, set a foundation through the years for what God has done and what He's doing, and that's important. Amen. Amen. Yeah, you build on that, and um, you you can uh, sense uh, year after year how God works in the hearts of people through the Word of God. Ephesians chapter five. Now, I'm not going to preach long, and I know you've heard that before, but I tell the truth. Um, someone said uh, there's a thin line between a long sermon and a hostage situation. So ho- hopefully we won't be there tonight. We won't cross that line. I want you to look at one verse tonight, verse 18. The Bible says, and be not drunk with wine, whereas in excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. Heard about a man who got this car, a beautiful new car, and boy, he loved to sit in that car and um, turn on the air conditioning in the summer and the heat in the winter, roll up the windows and roll down the windows. It had thick carpet, the finest leather. It's a beautiful car, but everywhere he went with the car, he pushed it. (laughs) He pushed the car, and someone finally said to him, what are you doing pushing the car? Don't you realize this car has an engine? He started it up and drove away, and he said, why didn't somebody tell me about this before? Now, as stupid as that story is, I feel like when it comes to the Holy Spirit, that's the application. I feel like we don't understand the power that is available to the Lord's people through the Spirit of God. I I don't think, I mean, literally, I don't know that we get that. And until we get that, until we get that truth, until we personalize that in our lives, I'm not sure we're ever going to accomplish what God wants us to accomplish. And even more importantly, I don't think we're ever going to be what God wants us to be. We have to understand that. So I'm going to give you just three simple thoughts tonight. I want to look at the reason for the Spirit-filled life. Then I want to think about the results of the Spirit-filled life. And then lastly, the requirements to the Spirit-filled life. So what's the reason for it? Well, verse 18, And be not drunk with wine where is in excess, but be filled with the Spirit. The fullness of the Spirit demonstrates our obedience. It's that simple. You, You can explain it a lot of different ways, but at the end of the day, this verse is not a suggestion. This verse is not a recommendation. This verse is not a request. This verse is a command. It is a command to be obeyed. It's a command that I should obey. And not just as a preacher, as a Christian, I should obey this command. And that is a command that every born-again believer should obey. Now, I think you would agree with me tonight that it would be a sin for me, if you look at verse 18 and understand the analogy there, it would be a sin for me to approach this pulpit and attempt to preach to you tonight if I was drunk with wine. How many agree that would be sinful? Now, first of all, I wouldn't even get that far because your pastor would take care of that, I, I promise you. And you all know that. But here's the point I want you to get. As sinful as it would be for me to come to this pulpit and attempt to preach to you being filled with wine, it is likewise sinful for me to come to this pulpit and try to preach for you uh, to you not being filled with the Spirit. And if it's true of a preacher preaching, it's true of a Sunday school teacher teaching. And singer singing. Usher's ushering. Do you get it? Whatever we're doing for Jesus Christ through life, whether it be in the church house, whether it be at our place of employment, whether it be with our family, it doesn't matter. We must be filled with the Spirit. We have to be. And anything less than that is like that guy just pushing that car. It's frustrating. It's irritating. It doesn't get us anywhere It exhausts us, and there's far too many Christians just kind of living that Christian experience. They're weary, they're tired, they're burdened. Why? Because they're just pushing that car. God never intended for us to push the Christian life. That's why He gave us the power of the Spirit of God to do that for us. It's a command. Corey Tenboom, perhaps you've heard her name, she said this very simple statement, but so powerful God does not make suggestions. God does not make suggestions. And when I look at this verse, verse 18, kind of a side note, a parenthetical thought, I'll tell you, I've had more trouble with Christians not filled with the Spirit than I've ever had with drunks. I mean, I pastored all these years. Been in ministry. I've had far more trouble with Christians not filled with the Spirit. I've never had a drunk stand up in a business meeting and create a fuss. Ever. Ever. I've had Christians do that. I've never had a drunk lead a church split. But I know know Christians not filled with the Spirit that have done that. Do you see what I'm saying? This This is a command that we must obey. Now, I could talk to you about several other reasons, but that is the reason. It is a reason because it is a command. You know, when you have children and you want them to clean their room or take the trash out, you don't make a suggestion. They don't get suggestions. It's a command. It's a command. That's what God is saying to us. We must. Now I want you to notice the results of the Spirit-filled life. In other words, the results of the Spirit-filled life really provide evidence that we're filled with the Spirit. And, And as you go through this chapter... There are so many, but let me just kind of give some to you real quickly. Verse 19. First of all, there will be singing in your heart. If you're filled with the Spirit of God, there's going to be singing in your heart. Verse 19. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Now, the ladies that sang tonight and the couple that sang to us uh, this past weekend, uh, they not only blessed uh, the Lord, they blessed us. Now, if I were to sing, I, I think I might bless the Lord, but I know I wouldn't bless you. So you sing in your heart. It's, it's a joy in your heart. Do you get that? I mean, it, it, listen, we do not have to live defeated Christian lives. We don't have to look around and, and turn on the news and hear all about COVID and all about uh, the, 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 the tragedies and situations that come up and, and live under that. We don't have to do that. He never called us to live under the circumstances. Jesus said, I've come to give you life and give it to you more abundantly. We need a shot of passion. We need a shot of enthusiasm and excitement, and that comes through the Holy Spirit. The focus here is on joyful living, having a song in your heart. You know, the unsaved world, I'm convinced, they're looking for some hope. They're looking for hope. I mean, listen, we're, we're distressed to some degree over what's happening in the world today. Just think about people who don't know the Lord. I mean, I often think, God, where would I be without you? How could we possibly journey through this life with all of the unsettledness and all of the disappointments and all of the heartaches and everything that comes about? without, without How do people make it without him? So they're looking for hope. I don't think they know where to look, most of them. That's where we come in. We're to be that light, we're to be that salt, to help them see, and I'll tell you one way they can see is when they see people with a song in their heart, and they stand back with a, almost a sense of curiosity, why are you so joyful? Well, it's not the Mountain Dew I drink, and I do drink it, by the gallon, you drink coffee way back there, Anthony, by the gallon. Don't look at me. (laughs) I know where you're at. Listen, I'm convinced of this. Most unsaved people are not even thinking about heaven or hell. They're not focused on heaven or hell. They're trying to figure out how can I get through life? How can I make it, you know, when I go to work on Monday morning, how can I hack it down at that job? That's what they want to know and and it takes a christian with a little bit of vitality and a little bit of joy to make a difference in their life so that they begin to wonder and they begin to question and they begin to ask and that's when we need to have the answer for the hope that lies within us to be able to share with them the reality of Jesus Christ you know how do you survive life without him but i think there's another result verse 21 there's submission in our lives when we're filled with the spirit of god submission is visible now submission is not a four-letter word you know four-letter words are profane words submission is not a bad word we sometimes think of submission as being some you know horrendous burden that we have to bear it says in verse 21 submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of god submission by nature we don't like that word we don't want the word means to rank yourself beneath that's what the word means so the idea of ranking ourselves beneath somebody is offensive to the flesh it's something we don't want to do we don't want to be down we want to be on top now we don't want to take orders we want to give orders i mean that's how we live life that's the mindset that we possess by nature but I'll guarantee you this. This is so true. We're never, like, we're never more like the devil than we, when we refuse to submit to the people that God has placed over us. Now you ponder that. We're never more like the devil when we refuse to submit to the people that God has placed over us. How, how did Satan get in trouble? He didn't want to submit to God. He wanted to be a God. He wanted to be just like God. He didn't want to submit to God. And so when we fail to submit in life to God-ordained authority, whatever that authority may be, boy, we're not like Jesus. We're like the devil. And I'll tell you what, as parents, that's one lesson you've got to really help your children understand, the importance of submission. Because if they fight against that and fight against that and rebel against that, I mean, it's, it's going to be one problem in their life after the next. You say, well, how in the world do I learn to submit? You're filled with the Spirit. And when you're filled with the Spirit, it flows. It comes. That's an evidence of a Spirit-filled life. Submission. But I see a third one. Slip down to chapter 6. And look at verse 7. There will be service in your church. Service in your church. Look at verse 7. With goodwill doing service as to the Lord and not to men. Hey, here's the exciting thing about working for Jesus Christ. You're not doing it for people. You're doing it for him. When, when someone sings, they sing as unto the Lord. When they play the piano, as unto the Lord. When they usher, as unto the Lord. When they run the PA, as unto the Lord. When they preach, as unto the Lord. When they teach, as unto the Lord. When they disciple, when they whatever, it's unto the Lord. And God knows if you work the nursery, that's unto the Lord. And it's and it's that that concept, that biblical truth that we need to get a hold of. Unto the Lord. And again, that comes naturally when we're filled with the Spirit. If we're not filled with the Spirit, then we want recognition. We want applause. We want to be noticed. We want to be uplifted. But when we're filled with the Spirit, we're not focused on that at all. We just have a job to do, we have a mission we 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 have people that are that are dying without Christ that need to be reached. We have converts that need to be discipled. We have children that need to be taught. Uh, we have we have people in the in, 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 in that are ill that need to be comforted and encouraged and visited. Why? Because that's a ministry. And it flows from someone who is filled with the Spirit. I said last night, I'll say it again for emphasis. A pastor should not have to beg, plead, borrow, guilt trip to get people to serve God. I mean, I just that's, that's such a sad thing to me. When, when, when people just have to be almost enticed to serve. The enticement is Jesus died for us. The enticement is the Holy Spirit empowers us. The enticement is there's a world that desperately needs the message that we have. And guess what, if we don't tell them who will? I have in my library, I think it's 128 I think it's 128 uh, biographies of great Christians, men and women of God. And I thrill to read those books. Most of those people who are being written about in the books that I have are now with the Lord. Of the 128, there may be a handful that are still alive today. It's always right, better to write a. Book after they're dead than when they're alive, because you never know they may mess up at the end. But you but think about this: not one of those people, not one will come back today to do what we're supposed to do. Their day is past. This is our day. This is our time. You know, you can look and see some photos here of people that you know, we're in this church, and moved away, or got mad, or whatever. Guess what? They're gone. This is your day to pick up the mantle. This is, this, is the, this is Ocean County Baptist as it is today to say, hey, there's a job to do. There's work. Let's be faithful. Let's engage. Let's serve. That is just a natural result of being filled with the Spirit. Then I think in Chapter 6, verse 10 and 11, I think there's going to be strength in the world. Look at verse 10 and 11. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord, the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. That word wiles is an interesting word. Uh, It it comes from a Greek word that speaks of strategy. Satan has a strategy. Hey, do you know that God has a will for your life? But do you know Satan has a will for your life? (laughs) And they're not running down the same track. They're not going the same direction. And so what he's saying is, listen, in this world, we have got to be strong. Otherwise, we're going to succumb to the strategy, to the wiles, to the craftiness, to the trickery of the devil. And we're going to get off track from what God wants us to accomplish and what God wants us to become. And we succumb to that when we shouldn't. You say, wow, that's a lot. How do I get the power to withstand that? That's when you're filled with the Spirit. That power, not not your power, not my power. It's not our ability. It's not our talent. It's not our charisma. It's not our personality. It's not our education. It's not our experience. It's God's power flowing through us that enable us in a day of, 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 let's face it, temptation or trial or calamity, or compromise, to be able to stand strong for the Lord Jesus Christ. And then in verse 18, a result of being filled with the Spirit, there's supplication in the Spirit. Look at verse 18, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Let me tell you something, prayer is hard work. I, I, I don't think there's anything that's talked about more in practice less than prayer in the Christian world. We make lists, we sing songs, we talk about it, we exchange requests. But at the end of the day, I wonder how much praying really gets done. And I'm not trying to be judgmental. I'm just, I've been at this a while. And I just wonder how much praying really gets done. People come to us, all of us, and say, would you pray for this? And we say, yes, we will. And how often do we do that? How often do we remember? Do we have a system to even record those requests so that we don't forget? I'm saying when we're filled with the Spirit, prayer is not a drudgery. It is a blessing. To enter into the presence of the Lord on behalf of not only your needs, but on behalf of other people. People who are without Christ, people who are growing in grace, people who are sick, people who are hurting, people who are going through trials, whether it be physical, emotional, spiritual, whatever it may be, and to know that you're part of the solution in their life, that is a wonderful thing that God enables us to do. Now, in the flesh, we resist that. In the flesh, we say that's too hard. It takes too much time. It's too cumbersome. But when we're filled with the Spirit, we delight in that. And can I help you? We ought to be praying one for another. When, when you know when, when it's, it's like the expression, uh, I had a secretary one time that I said, when I get a headache, she takes the aspirin. I mean, it's just, boy, thank God. I mean, she was there all the time. And you know what? That ought to be really kind of the way it is with the Lord's people. See, the Bible says we ought to weep when people weep. We ought to rejoice when people rejoice. That's part of a church family, when that love starts flowing. And, and when you have such a, uh, such a keen interest to, uh, to go before the Lord on behalf of people who have legitimate needs and burdens. Boy, supplicating. It's hard work, but when you're spirit-filled, you do it with joy. Now, it's the last point that I want to ponder for a moment. What are the requirements to the spirit-filled life? What are the requirements? We we know the reason we're commanded. We know some of the results. But what are the requirements? What's necessary for us to be filled with the spirit? Let me just give you three quick principles. One is the principle of abandonment. Abandonment. Take your, hold your place here, but turn to the book of Romans. The book of Romans, chapter 6. Romans, chapter 6. Abandonment. Chapter 6, verse 13. Paul writes, Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness. Verse 13. So neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. You know, there's that that, that song, take my hands and let them be consecrated, Lord, to thee. You know, take my mind, take... That's the idea. We just... We just sell out. We surrender. We yield. There's not a way in the world we're going to be filled with the Holy Spirit if we're holding back and refusing to let God have control. He, he wants to have control. If you look at verse 12, it says, Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body. In other words, don't let sin be the king or the queen in your, in your body. Don't let them be the sovereign. Let God be the sovereign. And so our mission is to surrender to Him, nothing held back. Maybe you've invited people into your home. We're going to stay with you, and so you prepared. You did everything you're supposed to do: clean the house, the whole deal. And they walk in, and then you make a statement such as, "Now our house is your house. Be comfortable. Our home is your home." And you, okay, good. So the next day you get off to work and. You said, now listen, again, I'm going to tell you, go do what you need to do. Our house is your house. So you come home from work, and uh, you call their name, and they don't respond. And finally, you find them maybe in the den or the bedroom or some office if you have it. And I mean, literally, they're rifling through your checkbook and looking at your will. I mean, they're reading everything under the sun. And you say, what are you doing? I'm doing what you told me to do. Your home is our home. You say, well, I didn't mean that. And I think that's our attitude sometimes with the Holy Spirit. Lord, you can have this much of me, these rooms, but not this. You can't have this. I know parents who say, you know, Lord, you can have anything but not my kids. I don't want my kids to go to Africa I don't want them to be missionaries. That's too far. And I say that in sincerity. I understand when you have children. I get that. When I was at Trinity, we'd have a big missions conference every year. And college students, by the dozens typically every year, would surrender pastor to to missions. And the church people were all excited until one of their little blessings came down the aisle. And then they weren't quite so excited anymore. You follow what I'm saying? We can compartmentalize and say, God, I'll give you this, and I'll give you this, and I'll give you this, but not this. Don't go there, Lord. And you know, God wants all of it. He wants us to sell out, to abandon, to absolutely come to the point where we say, take my life. Let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee. All of it. The principle of abandonment. But there's a second principle. The principle of abiding. Now go back to the verse we started with in Ephesians 5. The principle of abiding. Look at verse 18. And be not drunk with wine where is in excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Now most... All of the Holy Spirit's ministries to us are once and for all permanent. In other words, when He indwells us, He doesn't unindwell us. He indwells us. That's permanent. Um, when He baptizes us into the family of God, if you will, that's permanent. When He seals us unto the day of redemption, Ephesians four thirty, that's permanent. But the fullness of the Spirit is not permanent. That comes, and that goes, because we have to cooperate with the Lord on that one. We have to agree to that. We have to be willing to be filled with His Spirit. See, when we're indwelt, we have all of Him. When we're filled, He has all of us. (laughs) That's a big difference. You're not going to get any more of the Holy Spirit than what you have. The question is, will he get all of you and all of me? That's the question. So it depends upon our cooperation. When we grieve the Spirit, as the Scripture speaks, or quench the Spirit, in other words, we we do what we shouldn't do or fail to do what we should do, then guess what? We've lost the fullness of the Spirit. So what we have to do is be filled again. The fullness of the Spirit is repetitious, The verse literally would be this, be ye being filled. In other words, be at the task of being filled. Be at the task of being filled with the Spirit. It's a continuous action. Now, it's interesting to me that he compares and then, or contrasts, and then compares being drunk with wine with the fullness of the Spirit. I don't know if you ever thought about that. It's kind of unusual. And be not drunk with wine where it is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Now, there's much I could say about that, but think about this. How does a drunk person get drunk? They drink. How does a drunk person stay drunk? They keep drinking. So what I suggest is that there are a lot of Christians who have sobered up spiritually. We've come to the point where we're no longer filled with the Spirit. We don't even know we're not filled with the Spirit. If we're going to be filled with the Spirit, it has to be like that drunk person who just keeps drinking and keeps drinking and keeps drinking. we got to keep or continue to be filled with the Spirit of God. You can come to a church on Sunday or even tonight, walk an aisle and, and, and get filled with the Spirit of God. And we'll talk about that in a moment. And guess what? Tomorrow, you can lose that fullness. How? Grieving or quenching? Now, here's the point. We can't be effective for Jesus Christ in any of the things that we've talked about up to this point if we're not filled with the Spirit. And this church did not get to where it is today for 40 years without God's people being filled with the Spirit. And it's not going to get to the next stop that God wants it to get to in growth and blessing unless and until God's people are really filled with the Spirit and understand the importance of being filled. It's not spooky. It's not magical. It's nothing like that at all. It's just simple Bible. Bible. We must be filled with with the Spirit. Many of us are no longer abiding in the fullness of the Spirit. We know the term. We sing the songs, we read the scripture, but is it real in our life? Is it real? Now let me give you the third one, the principle of asking, of asking. Luke chapter 11 and verse 13. Luke 11 and verse 13. If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children. All right, let's stop there. So even though we're sinful, do we not have the ability and the capacity to give good gifts to our children? Of course we do. I've got two five-year-old granddaughters, and they think every time I leave town I'm to bring them something back. I made a mistake uh, of doing that, and now it's, what do you got for us? I mean, they're five years old. Uh, You I mean, they just expect that. So even though we're sinful, we have the ability to give good gifts. So then it goes on to this. How much more shall, or excuse me, if you then being evil know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to what? To them that ask him. To them that ask him. Now, by the way, go back to verse 11 for a moment. If a son shall ask bread of any of you that is a father, will he give him a stone? So your, your son is hungry and saying, boy, I'm hungry. Can I have a piece of bread? No, but chew on the rock. He said, I wouldn't do that. Or if he asks a fish, will you fish, give him a serpent? Say, no, I don't, have any, I don't have any trout, but how about this snake? No. Even though we're sinful, we have the capacity to do good in those areas. And what God is saying to us is, listen, just like sinful people can give more to people, the Holy Spirit can be given in the fullness to you and to me. So how are you filled with the Spirit? Let me give you just four thoughts real quickly. Number one, examine your life for sin. You wanna be filled with the Spirit? Examine your life for sin. First Corinthians chapter 11 verse 28 talks about, but let a man examine himself. Examination. Um, I do that. I hope you do that every day maybe sometimes more than once a day, where you begin to think, how how did I treat this person? Why did I not witness to this person? Lord, someone asked me to pray yesterday, and I haven't done it. So I begin to examine my life for where I fail, where I falter, where where I miss the mark. Secondly, confess your sin before the Lord. Aren't you grateful for 1 John 1, 9? If we confess our sin, our God is faithful and just to cleanse us and forgive us. That's such a great truth, such a great promise. So we examine our life and we see where, where we're at, what we, what's there that God's not pleased with, and we confess it. Now, to confess means we agree with God about the sin. We don't say, well, Lord, like Adam, it's the woman you gave me. That's what he said. Or make some excuse or some alibi or some foolish reason trying to justify it. Confession is not trying to justify our sin. Confession is absolutely positively admitting to God, acknowledging that we sinned. And it's a matter of saying, God, I know that I have violated your word. God, I I, I, I know that I've broken your heart. I know this. I am so sorry. Number three, yield yourself to God. Remember we talked about that? Abandoning and yielding. Romans 12, 1 and 2. Great verses that speak about that. Just surrendering to the Lord. Just yielding to Him. And then asked to be filled. Ask him. You see, if if you're with us tonight and you're not sure that you're filled with the Spirit, that can happen. Because you can just now begin to evaluate your life and realize, Lord, there's some, boy, there's some sinful attitudes and sinful behaviors. I'm failing to do what I should do and I'm doing what I shouldn't do. And Lord, I, I know it's wrong, and I'm not going to make an excuse for it. I'm going to confess it before you. And you can sell out to God and surrender to him. And then you can ask him to fill you. And the good news is he will. And when he does, we're able to do all kinds of things for him and for his glory that in the flesh we cannot do. Now, I have a, uh, an interesting coat. In fact, it's, it's a little bit magical. Um, it's a little bit magical this coat will do what I tell it to do. It it will. So I'm gonna give it three commands and let's see what happens. First command is cross your arms. Not doing it. Second command, fold your arms. Raise your arms. Not doing it, wait a minute. Let's try it this way. All right, coat, wave your arms. All right, coat, fold your arms. All right, coat, raise your arms. You say, Brother Shoemaker, that is so stupid. (laughs) Because it isn't the coat, it's you in the coat. And that's the whole point. It is not us. It is the Spirit of God in us. Whatever we're able to do for his glory, it is God, the Holy Spirit, doing it through us. And if we try to do it ourselves, we're going to be as productive as I was with the coat on the floor. It won't work. But when we allow the Holy Spirit to fill us, Oh my gracious. What can happen? And, Pastor, I don't know that we can even begin to imagine what can happen at Ocean County Baptist Church if every member of this church would be filled with the Spirit of God and witness and serve and give out gospel tracts and come with a joyful spirit and witness to everything that moves. I can't even imagine what would happen. But it can. So, the tragedy is not that we're not filled with the Spirit. The tragedy is sometimes we don't even care that we're not filled with the Spirit. And I hope tonight we care. I hope tonight. What we need is to be excited and ignited for Jesus. And that comes when we're filled with the Spirit. Would you bow your heads? Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. I'm not talking about some charismatic movement. I'm talking about Bible. And I wonder tonight, as you look at your life, I just ask you, number one, are you saved and sure of it? If you say, yes, I am, then I ask you tonight, do you know if you're filled with the Spirit of God? And if not, why not? Because tonight can be the night. And you know, I'm going to ask you to stand from where you are if you do that. Just stand. And I'm going to pray. I don't want us to sing but if we can just maybe have the pianist play after I'm done praying and if you want to find your way to an altar tonight and space out if you have to and just say Lord there's something in my life that shouldn't be in my life I want to get that right Lord I've just not surrendered I've held back apart and I I don't want to hold back anymore Lord I want to just surrender to you afresh and anew Lord I want you to fill me tonight empower me tonight I trust that you'll do what the Lord wants you to do. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Father, tonight, we would only ask God for you to work in our hearts as you desire. We would only ask dear God that your people would understand how important it is to not push that car called the Christian life, but to, to understand, Lord, that you've given us a power source beyond us to live a holy life, to be effective as a servant, as a witness, as a, as a dad, a mom, a husband, a wife, a church member, a witness, a discipler, a soul winner. Oh, God, I pray tonight that you'd speak to hearts. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed as he plays or she plays. Would you come? Just spend a moment here at this altar. Would you do it? Would you just come tonight? Don't wait for someone. Just look at your life tonight. Examine yourself before the Lord tonight I know you can make the decision where you're at but there's something about kneeling at an old fashioned church altar some of the greatest decisions I've ever made in my life I made at a church altar look at your life examine yourself get rid of whatever that baggage is, get it out of the holy place confess it surrender, sell out, afresh and anew ask the lord to fill you to empower you many are here you come
1: My Father, I come to you, Lord. I'm I'm so thankful for the Holy Spirit of God. I'm thankful for the security, the safety, the assurance that we enjoy because of the presence of the Spirit of God in us. Because I'm thankful that we can experience the conviction of God uh, that draws us towards the throne of God. It turns our hearts towards home. And Lord, uh, we're just thankful, Lord, that Uh, The heartaches that we experience, Lord, uh, uh, can be healed because of the presence of the Spirit of God in us. We're thankful, Lord, for uh, the failures and difficulties in our life, Lord, can be turned around because of the Holy Spirit of God. And, oh, Lord Jesus, I pray that you might send a fresh anointing upon us, upon this church. Each person here, God, I just pray uh, that we might experience an anointing that's afresh and anew, Lord, and it will stir us in our faith, give us passion, give us hope, Lord. And God, I just pray that because of what you'll do through us as we surrender ourselves to you, God, that the name of Jesus Christ will be exalted and lifted up. And so, Lord, I thank you. I praise you, Lord, for speaking to us tonight in such a special way. Uh, may we uh, leave from this place with a, a greater burden, Lord, to each moment of every day uh, to surrender all. And so God bless us and thank you, Lord, for your grace and your mercy. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.